Let's pray. Lord, as we come to your word to, Lord, look at it today, help us to reflect, Lord, uh, in our hearts, Lord, what you have, uh, have presented to us today. Let it help us to look inward, Lord, and again, see uh, what you are challenging us by your Holy Spirit with today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago, I was awakened in the night and my thoughts went to concerns about COVID-19 and about the planned reopening of our church. And anxious, I prayed to the Lord for a word from him. And I felt that it came in the form of Ezekiel 18. Reading it, I understood that the Lord is very much aware of and very much in control of life and death. The passage itself was written as a message from God to his unfaithful people who were blaming their present crisis and present hardship on the sins of their fathers. Does that sound familiar? And though the people back then had some theological basis for thinking that way, from what God had told Moses and them in Exodus 34:7 and Numbers 14:18 that he would visit the iniquity of the fathers upon their children to the third and fourth generation, God was now telling them specifically through Ezekiel that that was not the case with them. He said what he said in order that they would realize that they were being punished for their own sins, for their own iniquity, and not for the iniquity of their fathers. And that word from God through Ezekiel had continued on from what God had also been saying through the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah had prophesied the coming of the new covenant, the time after Jesus uh, came and had atoned for sin, the time that we live in today. And that's why I don't go for uh, generational sin theories today with regard to Christians anyway. Because if anyone wants to be free from sin today, there is freedom in Christ for all, for all who repent of their sins and come trusting in Jesus and in his atonement for their sins. There is freedom from sin for those who are willing to deny themselves in preference for Jesus and be led by the Spirit. That is what the new covenant and the new life in Christ is all about. As Paul wrote in Romans 18, 13, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons or the children of God. As children of God, we have eternal life. We will live forever and therefore, unlike others, we need not fear physical death. 
Paul goes on to write this. For you do not you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba Father. Isn't that great? That spirit of adoption. We know we've been adopted by God, the God of our universe is actually our daddy and he loves us infinitely and because of that we we read on in romans 8 28 we know for we know all things work together for good to those who love god and to those who are called according to his purpose so because of god first loved us we love him and in that love in that loving relationship we can be assured that god is looking after us jesus said ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened Jesus said, what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will give him a serpent. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Matthew 7, 7 through 11. All that should encourage us today, friends, if you are children of God. God our Father who adopted us through Jesus loves us and he is the one who is looking after us. And that's why we can gather for fellowship, knowing also that that is one of the things that he called us to do as his church. It doesn't mean that we are immune from anything dangerous. No, it means that he knows and he cares, and that should be good enough for us. Our lives are in his loving hands. His word says in Hebrews 10:35, let us not neglect meeting together as some have made the habit, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching and we do with all these things happening around us see the day approaching and sure we can stay home and get our sermons like this on online and and our worship music electronically uh, you can do that and stay healthy physically and many of you are called to do that now to stay safe, but you can't do that and stay healthy spiritually forever. The Lord and men may call some of you to do that for the season, for a season, but not forever. I knew some Christians back in the 70s and 80s when, when many of the charismatic televangelists were popular and, and even broadcasting on, on Sunday mornings. And, 
And a lot of Christians back then, unfortunately, left the local bodies and said, hey, this is good enough. This preaching is, is better than I can get at church, and this worship music is better, and I'm going to stay home and, and grow more uh, listening to it rather than uh, going to church. And sure, there's less chance of, of getting sick and, and even less chance of, um, of getting hurt emotionally, perhaps, by by what another believer might say or not say on any particular Sunday. But what about the prayer and the encouragement and the sharing of the spiritual gifts of the body? That's supposed to be part of it too. And, and, and that is why it is important that we all um, get together at some point. I personally fell away from the Lord when, when I began neglecting fellowship with other believers as a young Christian, so I know the danger. And once even as more mature, as more mature Christians, when Marie and I were, were married, at one point we were so overwhelmed uh, with work, working seven days a week just to get by, uh, that we began neglecting going to church for, for many months. And one day talking to a pastor, he rebuked us and, and did so rightly. We understood it came from the Lord, so we went back to church on faith. And God, believe it or not, provided for us a crew of men from that very church who heard of our need. And they came uh, free of charge and finished the contract, uh, the, the, the wood cutting contract that we had been overwhelmed with. And of course that example is very different from what we're dealing with today, but God got it and I understand that, but it's just an example to say God is always faithful when we step out in faith and we should not take undue risks, of course, if we don't have to. But if God asks us to, then we must obey. I was surprised to recently um, read that older people who are at most risk with this coronavirus are not as much concerned with it as middle-aged people are. And I found that really interesting. I was surprised by that at first, but the more I thought about it, I realized, you know, all we can all count on, statistically speaking, is, is around 80 years. And the psalmist in Psalm 90 says the days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength, 80 years. Yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for, for soon we are cut off and we fly away. And so that psalmist pleads, pleads with God. He says, teach us to number our days, that we might gain a heart of wisdom. And that's the important thing. I realize, uh, reading that uh, story, that article, uh, that perhaps as we get older, we begin to prepare ourselves for the inevitable. And I, I don't know, I'm only 57, going on 58 very soon, but, but the way I want to look at it, when I hit 70, is that every year after that is a bonus year. And that way I won't be disappointed. And with that way of thinking, well, some of you have already hit the jackpot, winning, winning more every year. Praise God for that. 
Well, that was quite a long introduction. Uh, now for the sermon. Um, we move into our text in Acts 8. And as we do, we see an interesting thing. The Lord used terrible upheaval to achieve his good purposes. And we see that theme over and over in the Bible. We see it from the story of Joseph back in Genesis, when his brothers cast him into a pit. First they almost killed him, then they cast him into a pit and they ended up selling him as a slave to, to some people that were going to Egypt. And yet God worked worked it all out for his glory and his purpose. We see that theme throughout the Bible, uh, from that point all the way into the New Testament and here in Acts. And looking back, even in our own lives, our own times, um, I'm sure most of you um, listening, looking back can see how that same thing played out in your own lives. I know I certainly can. I was devastated uh, 31 years ago when I was forced to move to Quebec and I didn't know one single person here. And I found out that I couldn't get a job in the field that I was most skilled and recently working in because I didn't have a union card and because there was no shortage of, of workers in that field at the time, I couldn't even get an apprenticeship uh, that I needed to get a card. I didn't speak French, so, so I was at a severe disadvantage uh, in that recession at the time, and I, I didn't know what to do. It was all very strange to me uh, compared to where I had come from. But God used all of that for my good and for his glory, and he began opening doors for me as I, as I sought him. And he blessed me here in Quebec and trained me for what he had purposed for me. And as I look back now, I could see it was his work, it's his, his leading, his opening doors every, everywhere I looked. And he, he blessed me here with, uh, with, with my wife and my family, with, with you as, as, as my friends and brothers and sisters in Christ, with my vocation. Many times over, he's blessed me. And it's not that God causes these circumstances, these upheavals uh, to happen, though sometimes he does, but most often we cause those things to happen ourselves or somebody else does. But God, if we love and follow him, takes it all into his plan and his purpose of good. And here in Acts, Stephen had actually set this particular upheaval in Acts off by obeying God and preaching the gospel under the influence of the Holy Spirit and in his dying for the gospel with grace. In verse 1, we see how Saul, who would soon become the Apostle Paul, was consenting to Stephen's death. 
Saul had heard Stephen's spirit-filled witness and saw his angelic face as he gave his defense. And Paul heard the forgiveness of Stephen's heart as he lay dying, being crushed by the stones thrown by evil men, saying, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Well, what do you do with that? What do you do with that kind of love and forgiveness if you're the Apostle Paul? It's a powerful force. And unbeknownst to, to uh, Saul, actually, unbeknownst to him and the others who were against Stephen, it was the most powerful force. It was divine. So if you're still against it, you must then try to meet it with another powerful force. And those like Saul did exactly that. Acts 8.1 says, At that time a great persecution arose against the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Verse 3 says, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. What a tremendous trial for this brand new church. What a tremendous upheaval for, for them to experience. personal persecution for every Christian family simply because they were Christian. What would we do with that? What would we do if that came to us here like it does today in many parts of the world for Christians? That thought makes the coronavirus seem like a walk in the park. But even then, God used that, used that persecution for his purpose. Some biblical com commentators point out that, that Jesus had commissioned these disciples as he left earth to return to heaven, he had said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He had said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But as of yet, not counting those visitors who may have returned to their homes in different lands after Pentecost. Up till now, the disciples had not left Jerusalem. But these new circumstances of severe persecution caused that to change very rapidly. The church, these early Christians, were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And verse 4 says, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere 
preaching the word. They then did what Jesus had commissioned them to do. God took the worst possible situation and once again turned it for his good purpose. The preaching of his word, the evangelization of another people. Uh, and those early disciples were, were confronted with the cost of discipleship. That's, that's what was happening. It was uh, this cost that Jesus had talked about. They were confronted with the cost of discipleship like we in the West seldom are. And they made their choice. When persecution arose because of the word, the gospel that, that had saved them from eternal destruction, they gladly suffered material loss and even prison and even loss of life for the gospel. And they persisted in their battle for good, preaching the gospel, proclaiming the, the freedom of the gospel in Jesus Christ for all the oppressed, the freedom from sin to everyone that they met, even in the face of their own oppressors. We read Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached uh, Christ to, to them. Verse six, and the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. So we see in that example that where one door was closed, where Christians were driven out, God opened another door of opportunity and they seized it and, and they went in and they were blessed in doing so. And those new converts in that city of Samaria also received the Holy Spirit by, by the laying on of the apostles' hands. And what that meant is that, that they too would have boldness like the first ones to preach the gospel and to do the miracles that that came along with it to confirm their word and seeing all that we can understand how the early church grew like it did but what about us now what about our church is it little persecution little growth what about us can God use these awful circumstances that we find ourselves in with the coronavirus to advance the gospel. Well, you bet he can, and he will if we allow him to use us as his servants. The Lord is very aware of what is going on, and he's ready to take these circumstances into his plan. And if we have faith and obey him, despite the cost to ourselves, the cost of discipleship, whatever it may be in these circumstances, 
well, then he will bless us and use us in that plan and that purpose. Well, today as a church, we are stepping out in faith to new places with new partners that God has sent to us. Jonathan and Renee Kamiri, who have just moved in to join us in Rigo. And God has provided miraculously so far. What he's going to do is, is yet to be seen, but it's exciting. But are we all ready to be used by him? In this time and in this place, that's the question. In these unusual circumstances where our faith is tested, are we still listening? Are we still available to him at his, at his bidding to go and to do what he asks us to do in order that our Lord can bring all of this into his plan. Folks, I hope we are. I pray we are. Let's pray together. Lord God, we do thank you, Lord, that you are with us even in the midst of, of all this, especially in the midst of all this, Lord, as we, Lord, struggle to even to know uh, what church should be like in a situation like this. As we, as we gather Lord, uh, by our computers to, to listen. And as we gather again in person, Lord, you are Lord over this whole situation. And we ask for your guidance. We ask for your blessing. Lord, we, we ask for your leading uh, us in this new endeavor. Lord, we thank you for sending us this new family, Lord, that is coming to Quebec because you have called them. And Lord, we, we believe it, Lord, and we in faith are stepping out to work with them lord and we pray that you would guide us and help us to work together with this young couple lord and we just pray that you would bless them and bless us in this endeavor and that you would call many people to you lord help us to be lord attentive to your voice help us not to fear help us to know lord that you have given us Lord, a spirit of love that casts out all fear. And Lord, Lord, though we have plans that might be upset, Lord, your plans are always better. So Lord, we ask you, Lord, yes, to, to have your way with us. We give you again our lives. Lord, you're in charge. Lord, you are the one, Lord, who who is in charge of our lives as long as we've given it to you, Lord. And, and Lord, we give you our fears and our anxieties. And Lord, we thank you that, that you give us your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we ask you, Lord, that we may embrace all that you have for us in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>